Welcome back to another episode of Our Maryland's Politics and Policy Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Leatherberry. This week, we'll be discussing economic justice in Maryland and speaking with Benjamin Orr, Executive Director of the Maryland Center on Economic Policy. Maryland households are currently the wealthiest in the country, with a 2015 median household income of close to $76,000 a year. Howard and Montgomery counties are the second and 11th wealthiest counties in the nation, respectively, and Maryland ranked number one with the most millionaires per capita in 2013. According to the Census Bureau's American Community Survey from 2016, the poverty rate was on the decline, down to 9.7% from 10.1% in 2015. By all accounts, it's easy to assume that Maryland's economy is healthy and thriving. But underneath these impressive numbers and rankings, there are many Marylanders who aren't sharing in the economic prosperity and who struggle to make ends meet on a regular basis. As we indicated in our minimum wage podcast, wages have not been adequate to maintain many lower income households and income growth among the middle class has stagnated in the state. So how do we close these gaps and create a truly healthy economy that all Marylanders have the opportunity to participate in? Here to talk with us more about the policies, research, and strategies that can help create widespread economic equity in the state is Benjamin Orr, Executive Director of the Maryland Center on Economic Policy. Thanks for agreeing to be on the podcast, Benjamin. Thank you for having me. So first, just wanted to ask, what is the Maryland Center on Economic Policy? What, what exactly do you guys do? So the Maryland Center on Economic Policy, we are a nonprofit, nonpartisan think tank. And our mission is to promote broad prosperity for all Marylanders. We believe that all Marylanders should be able to achieve their full potential in a healthy economy that offers a widely shared and rising standard of living. Uh, We believe that government has an appropriate role to play in that process. And uh, primarily, our work focuses on the state's budget and tax policy system. You mentioned shared prosperity. What What do you mean by that, the broadly shared prosperity for Marylanders? So for us, uh, Maryland is prosperous because of its past investments in our education system, in our healthcare system, transportation network, uh, safe communities, and all these things that make our state a great place to live, to raise a family, and to do business. Um, To build on that success, communities need uh, uh, to, we need to address the needs of communities that haven't necessarily always benefited proportionally uh, from those investments. and also to make sure that everyone in the state has the opportunity to reach their full potential. There's some themes that come out of this. Um, The first theme, I think, is that we need to focus on cleaning up our tax code uh, by removing breaks that have been placed there by special interests uh, so that we do have the resources we need to create these thriving communities um, and good schools and and, uh, uh, affordable quality health care, etc. Uh, The second theme is that working hard should at least leave you with enough at the end of the day to afford the basics, like a decent place to live uh, and nutritious food on the table, uh, maybe even a little bit to save for the future uh, or the future of your children. And right now that really isn't the uh, reality for many Marylanders. We may be the wealthiest state in the union by many metrics, but when you drill down below the numbers, uh, there are really two Marylands and, and Marylands, and lots of folks are really struggling to, to make ends meet despite working very hard. Uh, so we need to look at policies like raising the minimum wage, 
uh, and increasing access to affordable childcare uh, to ensure that our economy works for everyone. Uh, and I think the third thing that, that we th theme that we think about when we think about broad prosperity in the future of our state is that we have to address the changing relationship between the state and the federal government, uh, both by preparing to respond to uh, rapidly changing federal budget priorities, uh, as well as continuing to diversify our economy by supporting small business uh, and entrepreneurship and small business growth uh, so that we're less reliant on those federal uh, investments that may be going away. You mentioned some about the federal budget and how it affects Marylanders. Um, of course, this has been a year where the federal budget has been talked about a lot. Could you just tell us a little bit about how the federal budget might impact Maryland? So uh, I think you're right. There has been a lot of talk about the federal budget and its impact on Maryland, and I think that's rightly so. Maryland is particularly vulnerable to changes uh, at the federal level. Uh, we have, um, uh, compared to other states, we, we have much higher uh, rates of investment in Maryland by the federal government, whether it is because agencies are based here or federal employees who work in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia live in Maryland, uh, or through programs like the National Institutes of Health, which directs a lot of research dollars to Johns Hopkins University, for example. Uh, we are particularly vulnerable. Uh, the good news is that the federal spending measures that have been passed so far during this administration have been fairly neutral. The problem is that the budget frameworks uh, proposed by the president and by congressional leadership have included massive cuts to things like health care, uh, to scientific research, to housing assistance, to food assistance, uh, and to the environment. Um, and we collectively, when you combine all, all federal spending that passes through the federal budget, uh, I'm sorry, all federal spending which passes through the state budget, which does not capture all federal spending in the state, uh, there's about $13 billion. Uh, this is a significant portion of our $43 billion state budget, for example. And by some measures, uh, perhaps a third of, of uh, the state's economy um, may be linked in some way to federal activity. So this is a significant threat. Uh, and, and the principles that have been laid out in these proposals, despite not making it into legislation yet, uh, uh, or into legislation that's passed, are definitely indicators of where Congress, where House Republicans, where President Trump would like to go with the budget, with federal spending. Um, <clears throat> the most dire threat right now is the, Fed, uh, the Farm Bill, which includes funding for the Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program. Uh, thousands of Marylanders would have a harder time affording sufficient uh, healthy food under provisions in this bill before the House Agricultural Committee. Uh, and it uh, uh, is a vital support that not only Maryland families depend on, but also Maryland businesses depend on. Uh, SNAP is an example of a federal program that directly, that money gets directly funneled out of the pockets of the recipients into local businesses, into local grocery stores, corner stores, etc. Uh, farmers markets, for example, uh, that, and, and then uh, has a multiplier effect throughout the state's economy. And, and so these are things that we need to be concerned about. Um, this, the SNAP cuts are the, the most pressing uh, before us now, but the principles that have been laid out are really quite uh, dire. And, and so we, uh, it's right to be very concerned. Um, Maryland has done, um, uh, uh, the legislature did come together in the past, the, the session that just ended, and set aside uh, uh, some money to prepare for these cuts. 
but if we, uh, by some estimates, if we follow the the budget proposal that the president and that House Republicans have put together, by the time they're fully enacted, Maryland could lose $2 billion in federal funds that flow through the state's budget, uh, not to mention cuts to federal workers, et cetera. And $2 billion, uh, legislators were able to find about $200 million to set aside uh, to protect uh, against the, to hedge against the threat posed by these um, cuts that, that uh, Congress wants to enact. So um, we have a lot of work to, ahead of us to, to continue like to prepare the state for, for these troubling uh, proposals. Speaking of the legislature, were there any other highlights from this past session, any sort of um, economic bills or policies that you all have been focused on or taking a look at? We were really uh, uh, pleased by a number of things that, that happened during the legislative session that just ended. The very first thing the legislature did was overturn the governor's veto of paid sick leave. Uh, this uh, now means that more than 500,000 Marylanders are able to earn paid sick leave for the first time, uh, which will have a huge impact on, on people's ability to pay their bills. Uh, the, we also spent a lot of time paying attention and helping legislators understand the implications of the federal tax bill and how Maryland should respond. Uh, so uh, largely the legislature took a, a moderate approach uh, we expanded the earning income tax credit to about 40,000 more Marylanders, uh, primarily low-income young workers who previously weren't eligible uh, and uh, for this program simply because of their age. Uh, this will also put about $5 million a year into local businesses as, as, again, people who get the earned income tax credit immediately turn around and spend it on things like repairing their car or paying off textbooks, etc., or other basic needs. Uh, we froze the estate tax exemption at $5 million, uh, now, rather than allowing it to increase to $11 million. Uh, now, fewer than 1% of estates will ever pay the Maryland estate tax, uh, uh, despite being the wealthiest, having more millionaires per capita than any other state in the union. Uh, but preserving this revenue source supports public investments in things like schools and roads and safe communities. And finally, in terms of a response to the federal tax bill, we also increased the standard deduction for personal income taxes and protected Maryland's personal exemptions, which were, uh, there was some debate about whether or not they were eliminated by the federal change that was made, because often the state ties its policy to, to federal definitions, for example, all of which were important components of a balanced tax code. And really, uh, uh, the legislature took a targeted approach that, that made sure that we helped those uh, Marylanders who are uh, at the, the low and, and middle income spectrum. Uh, beyond the federal tax bill, uh, we also uh, took steps to stabilize the health insurance market. Uh, consumers uh, were seeing significant cost increases because of the instability introduced by the Trump administration uh, and Congress. So uh, uh, the state took some important steps to, to stabilize the market. Uh, while some of that gets worked out in Congress. And um, uh, all of that was positive. Uh, unfortunately, the legislature also made uh, one change to the corporate tax code that's going to result in many large multi-state corporations paying less in taxes. Uh, the bill, you, you might hear this called the single sales factor bill, ultimately creates a choose your own tax adventure uh, structure 
that allows certain corporations to pick the method of calculating their taxes that results in the smallest payment possible. Uh, you, uh, rather than holding all corporations to the same standard, uh, you get to choose your own tax adventure. This is only going to help large multi-state corporations. Small local businesses can't do this. Uh, and so it's ultimately going to cost the state at least $38 million a year once it's fully phased in, if not more. Um, so largely a positive legislative session with uh, one or two spots where we wish we could have done more. For anyone who wants to learn more about the Maryland Center on Economic Policy or if they'd like to get involved, what's the best way for them to learn more and get in touch with you guys? Sure. So we, uh, I would direct folks to our website, uh, mdcp.org or uh, mdeconomy.org. Either one works. Uh, and you can check out all of our research and reports uh, and uh, also sign up for our mailing list. Um, I will also preview. We are uh, uh, sending out Save the Dates. We're having an event on July 28th in Howard County uh, talking about the state's budget and tax policy. Uh, we have, um, uh, uh, and, and in the afternoon, we're going to have a, a training uh, for folks who are interested in learning more about how to become an advocate on the issues you care about in the state's budget. Uh, our keynote speaker is Alice Rivlin, who was the founding director of the Congressional Budget Office um, and uh, also uh, led OMB during the Clinton administration um, and uh, is an expert on federal budget policy as, as that is becoming more and more important to us, uh, um, we're going to have a conversation with her about uh, what states can do in response to this crisis in Washington. So uh, it should be a, an interesting event uh, on July 28th, um, but definitely check out our website, mdeconomy.org. Great. Thank you so much. That was Benjamin Orr, again, the Executive Director of the Maryland Center on Economic Policy. We appreciate your time. Thank you. For more information on economic justice and the policies that affect you, visit MDCEP's website at mdeconomy.org, and don't forget to sign up for their July 28th event, Talking About Tax Policy in Maryland. As always, thanks for listening to the Our Maryland Politics and Policy podcast. We'll see you next time.